Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Betsy Brantner-Smith, of course, a retired law enforcement individual herself, 29-year veteran of a large um, city police department in the Chicago suburbs, as well as somebody who has worked on the private sector side, on on the public sector side, and now, of course, Betsy is with our, our National Police Association, and you see her all over all the I see you everywhere now, Betsy. I see Betsy everywhere. <laughs> I see you on Newsmax, on national shows. And so we thank you for carving out the time for us as well. Of course, yeah. It's been a, such a busy, busy time. Um, and and ah, so this is so frustrating, you know, that Robert Card is, yes. is still on the run. And um, in addition to, you know, we're, we're really focused, of course, on what's happening in Maine. But like you said, all around the country, we continue to see um, horrible crime after horrible crime. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, people on uh, Twitter, on X, formerly mm-hmm. known as Twitter, were all talking about yesterday is, you know, when situations like this happen, like the shooting in Maine, the president jumps up and puts the flags at half staff and all of that and talks about gun violence. He never actually talks about Chicago or Philadelphia mm-hmm. or St. Louis or New Orleans yeah. and all of the gun violence there. And I, I think people are starting to to really notice that, that, that uh, they only, certain, you know, politicians only want to get involved when uh, it, it benefits them politically. And that, that shouldn't be, this should not be political. Yeah, I think that's well said that, you know, it it just feels like following a narrative and pandering for an upcoming election or fundraising. And I think people, to your point, Betsy, have gotten savvy to that. It does bring up the issue of, well, first of all, mental health. And actually, you know, there was somebody who had called in and said, you know, these yellow flag laws or the red flag laws, part of the issue with mental health issues in the greater population, especially post-pandemic, but also in law enforcement as a result of the defund the police movement and and in the military too. And there is this aspect of mental health, the crisis that we're seeing in the nation. And, and perhaps this is something that we need to have the conversation about and prepare for. Well, it absolutely does. I mean, we talk about uh, mental health from a, a civilian perspective in law enforcement, we also are incredibly concerned um, with uh, our own mental health. I mean, you know, this is something I've been talking about. The, me- the mental health of these 
law enforcement professionals in Maine right now, especially those from the area, what they are dealing with, you know, 18 bodies, um, many more shot, uh, multiple crime scenes, no sleep, probably lousy nutrition, and just in the emotional aspect of it, um, you know, we're going to have to make sure at some point when he is in custody or his body is found that we deal with the emotions of those first responders as well. But when you look at Robert Card, and this is something the National Police Association has been talking about for a while, he should have been in a mental institution or in prison, one or the other. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you look at when he had this, this meltdown, when they were, you know, training everybody, I think everybody knows the story, they were training at West Point. Mm -hmm. He started to espouse some bizarre things. So what did the military do? They called 911, and law enforcement has to come deal with them. Now, I I don't understand that mm -hmm. because the military has a huge, huge medical system, and they have a mental health system. But uh, he was, um, you know, taken to a mental health hospital, and two weeks later he signed himself out. We're going to have to go back to... Uh, involuntary committals in this country. We're, we're going to have to yeah. uh, wrap our heads around that. And I think a lot of people don't remember what that was like in the 70s and 80s when a lot of those facilities were, were awful. Yes. Um, we're going to have to do it properly, and and not just for situations like this, but, of course, for the you know the you know the large percentage of people that are homeless and drug addicted are mentally ill. Yes. We've we got to get a handle on this. Yeah, and I agree with you. We have to revisit, and it was a Supreme Court decision. It was during the Reagan era. We here in the Philadelphia region, certainly, we know all about it because of, you know, what you're talking about with the, the investigations into mental health facilities. We're kind of famous for that in, in this region. But I agree with you. We have to revisit this because we have a crisis going on. And and so it's, I will say this, too. The media, and here in Philadelphia, we see this with the media, Betsy, where they are so quick to talk about the fact of how many law enforcement officers, especially on the Philadelphia police force or, or let's say the greater law enforcement force. Oh, they're out on sick leave or they're out on sick duty. And what you're talking about, exactly what you're talking about. There's not really a mechanism or maybe an awareness, even by so-called enlightened members of the, you know, so-called uh, unbiased media but they don't seem enlightened when it comes to the mental health of law enforcement and or military. I think you're exactly right. This is a huge issue that people need to have the conversation about it and also implement it into into healthcare and the union contracts, quite frankly. Yeah, you are you are so right because here's here's something I don't think most people know. Police officers now die um, two and a half times by our own hand than we do by felonious assault. That's just a horrific, horrific um, statistic, uh, but it's absolutely true. And these these uh, leaves that you hear about, you know, and, and I know have been talked about in Philadelphia and other places, those officers just get so exhausted both yeah. mentally and physically that they cannot get up and do another shift. And I want people to ponder this. If you have a police officer that is physically exhausted and emotionally and mentally 
um, just down in the dumps, down in the ditch because of all the horrific things that they see, shift after shift after shift, including their own colleagues getting shot, injured, and killed in Philadelphia, as in other jurisdictions. Do you want them out there with the responsibility to perhaps use deadly force? This has always been one of the frustrations, especially in the last three years, is it seems like people want cops to be machines and then when they're when they're presented with a deadly force situation that we are supposed to be act flawlessly you know 1000% within policy within the law and act we are not robots you know this is this is we're not uh, you know we're not a robocop and uh, i hope people are starting to realize that is it also a case where you, you you think about him as far as specifically this suspect, and here's somebody, he's 40, by all accounts, um, somebody who really was, you know, celebrated as as an expert, um, you know, military, mm-hmm. you know, had that, you know, let's say hero uh, mindset where he wants to be in law enforcement, he wants to protect and serve, and now something goes terribly wrong. And so does this bring forth the issue of screening individuals in these high-pressure mm-hmm. jobs? In other words, without condemning somebody. And I think that's there's a piece of this where, you know, let's say you're in a, you, you have a family member who's in that, and I, and I do. Let's say, so I can relate to that. You don't want to turn somebody in. On the other hand, there's really not a mechanism for somebody who's in law enforcement or who, who's in military service where they could get some services, much-needed services, to deal with their coping mechanisms, let's say. One of the biggest things that we see in law enforcement, and we've seen this over the last several years, is police officers very often who come forward and sit down with their supervisor or whatever, and they say, look, I'm having some real issues here. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that. Um very often, one of the first things that happens is they take their gun away, they sit them down on a desk, and then they kind of walk away and go, we'll get you some counseling. So what what we have heard time after time after time, again, from police officers is I came forward for some help, and all of a sudden I found myself yeah. taken off the job, sat in a room like I'm crazy, and treated like there's something wrong with me. So we in law enforcement must, and this goes to leadership, leadership must do a much better job of dealing with the mental health of our officers. There's a lot of talk about it, especially with, uh, you know, a lot of the big, like the, uh, you know, major city chiefs and International Association of Chiefs of Police. There's a lot of talk about police officer mental health, but when it comes to the actual execution, it doesn't always go so well. And a part of that is because people of my generation Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Who are, you know, now in leadership positions. We were told, suck it up, buttercup. You know, (laughs) this is, you know, you decide to become a cop. Deal with it. You know, there were no mental health uh, services for law enforcement. There was barely mental health services for citizens when I was a rookie. And we were told just, you know, go get out there, get it done, shut up, don't take it home, don't talk to anybody about this stuff. You know, that part is mm-hmm. changing now, but uh, leadership needs to change along with it. And when you look at somebody like Robert Card, you know, he was a guy that the community appeared to be proud of. His family was proud of. He had this, yeah. you know, expertise. He wanted to serve his country. Um, so, so, again, when he quote-unquote, snapped and had to be uh, hospitalized for a couple weeks. I'm going to be very curious to see what the military did for him, what the VA did for him. Um, And uh, and because, you know, right now, what do we see? uh, What do we see uh, the the VA doing for soldiers? Well, we'll transition you Mm -hmm. from man to woman or woman to man 1,000% and pay for it all. Do you think we could maybe deal with, the mental health issues right. of our, of our, uh, you know, all of our uh, military personnel, as well as our veterans, uh, and, and we could go way beyond transing them and maybe help them. Maybe we could have saved eighteen people by giving Robert Card some appropriate mental health yeah. uh, care. And if that meant uh, him being an institution for a month or two months or three months mm-hmm. or whatever, then so be it. And the other thing is, again, this is a man who was threatening to shoot up a military installation. If we've decided that, okay, this is not mental illness, this is just criminal behavior, why isn't he, why isn't he in jail awaiting trial or why hasn't he been sentenced and why isn't he in prison? I live close to the Davis Monthan Air Force Base, one of the biggest Air Force bases in this country. If I got my truck right now, drove down to Davis Monthan, and uh, pulled up to the gate and threatened to shoot the place up. You know where I'd be? I'd be in the Pima County Jail. <laughs> and, uh, and and that's that's the thing. You can't you can't excuse criminal behavior and say it's a mental health issue and then do nothing about it. It's got to mm-hmm. be one or the other or yeah. both sometimes. Betsy, it's well put. I, I'm probably going to get ripped for saying this, but part of a couple things I'll say. Number one, I wonder if we have to look at. Uh, just with mental health and military and law enforcement, like here in Philadelphia, our officers, for example, during the Phillies games, et cetera, they were on 12-hour shifts. When we have had mm-hmm. a crisis, with which we have, with teenagers being recruited by gangs and the cartel, uh, cops, because we're shorthanded and we have a crisis here with recruitment because of some of the things we're talking about. Number one, I think we will have to re-examine the shift for law enforcement. I know I'm going to get ripped for saying this, but I, I just think they're going to have to go to, instead of 12-hour shifts or even 8-hour shifts, they're going to have to make this job look more attractive, not just with the medical plan and everything you're saying. But I think we're going to have to reinvent how we view these law enforcement and even military jobs. 
you know, that these long tours of duty, et cetera, I think they're going to have to reevaluate it all because we have a recruitment crisis. Well, we absolutely do. And, you know, I worked those 12-hour shifts, <laughs> and uh, cops love it for the time off because you literally get half, you know, in theory, you get half the days of the year off. The problem is, is we both end up working so much, uh, we all end up working so much overtime that, uh, and you're incredibly fatigued. Again, when you're doing something, especially, you know, look at Philadelphia, those officers are running call to call to call. They've got, you know, crime, street gangs, all these things. Um, you know, by about 10 hours, you're mentally and physically exhausted, and yet you have to continue to go. Plus, you've got to, you have overtime details because everybody's trying to make extra money. You got to go to court. Mm-hmm. When you make arrests, you got to go to court. And uh, um, so, yeah, I, I too shall get in trouble, Don, because I <laughs> loved the 12 hour shifts when I was working them, but I was exhausted, yeah. and I remember that. And uh, um, we, you know, Tired. In fact, there's a. Uh, I've written several articles uh, on tired cops, and we know now <clears throat> scientifically that fatigue is equal to being impaired by drugs or alcohol. And then I go back to the deadly force issue. Do you want a cop who has been, you know, working uh, five days in a row, twelve-hour shifts? At the end of that, you know, fifth shift, they get into a deadly force situation. And they have to decide whether or not to use deadly force. Um, people are going to have to decide what kind of cops do you want, and leadership is going to have to decide. Again, uh, are we going to be able to recruit good quality, not just warm bodies, but good quality police officers to this job? So we're going to have to make some changes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, we always say it takes a, or the other side always talks about it, it takes a village. And I wonder if they'll have this philosophy with this situation, like you said, with this card guy. In other words, uh, should we blame the village? Should we blame the government? Should we blame those who did Mm -hmm. not provide the village and all of the resources? They never seem to do that. They want to blame the guns or the Republicans or it's always a fundraising, you know, (laughs) bizarre, if you will. Um, take me through, I want to just ask you and end on a positive note because the National Police Association, you do, um, you do so much advocacy, but there's also a positive, you know, piece of this as far as advocating and as far as what you look forward to and what we can be hopeful about. So I wanted to end on that note. If you can just take us with your next project and also, you know, what you're hopeful about, Betsy. Well, we are hopeful, uh, honestly, for a lot because our polling continues to show that most people really love and appreciate law enforcement. One of the things we have right now, and you can see where it is, go to nationalpolice.org. We have a mobile billboard that is traveling the country. And uh, it, it, it's so fantastic because people stop the billboard, they take a picture with it, you know, they wave at the driver, and the, the billboard talks about law enforcement officers as family members, mothers, fathers, and heroes that were the whole point of it is we're just regular people. We're your next door neighbor. We're the person you sit next to in church, the person you see at the grocery store, but we're also going out there to help keep you safe. And we just want your support. And that, that is what the national police association is all about. We're just trying to bring attention to the anti-police efforts 
and uplift not just cops, but we're trying to also uplift the citizens who support us. You know, people are starting to bring out those back the blue T-shirts yes. and pins and signs and flags. And uh, it, it makes us so incredibly happy. We are we are truly optimistic. Well, we'll end on that note for now. Um, Sergeant uh, Betsy Brantner Smith, thank you so much again for joining us. And I hope you have a blessed Friday. Thank you, Betsy. Appreciate you, Don. Enjoy the weekend. Oh, you too. Appreciate you as well. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.